Good morning, everybody. I'm Troy and I'm an addict. Good morning, family. Welcome to this motivational morning. Um, today, I knew exactly what I wanted to do as soon as I woke up. Where's my check engine light, gang? Who rocks their car with that check engine light? <laughs> it's a real program. It's honest. That's right. So, the check engine light. Uh, this is it's a new one. I've never done this one before, but it came to me this morning as soon as I woke up. I talk about frame-up restoration often. That's something we like to hit on very often. Um, where's my mechanics? All right. To my mechanics out there, if I rebuild the motor in a 78 Pinto station wagon that I left sitting in the backyard for eight years, and I put a brand new motor in that car, rebuilt, turbo, nitrous, and I start it up, and I throw it in gear, what's going to happen? The motor's going to shoot out the side of that car. It's going to blow the frame apart. The rear end's going to go tossing down the road. It will not run properly with a brand new motor and a rusty old frame. If I do a frame-up restoration on that car and I don't fix the motor, that would be one of y'all coming in all yoked out of prison and doing no work on recovery. As soon as you get in the car and you turn the key, it ain't going to run because the motor's seized up. You got this beautiful car, freshly painted, ready to go, with a bad motor in it. So we've taken the time to do a frame-up restoration on the car, motor included. We've rebuilt the motor down to, to using fresh, crush gauges when we put the block back together. We've changed every belt, we've changed every gasket, we put stainless steel bolts in the frame where there was old rusty zinc covered, bo co covered bolts. And we're now out there, we're practicing living our life clean and sober. We're out there driving this new car, getting the best mileage we can, performance racing, out there having a great time. But all of a sudden that check engine light comes on. In recovery, you can't drive with the check engine light on. You can't. It's, it's, it's a warning sign. Um, we talk about relapse triggers. Unfortunately, my body does not have a check engine light that I can visually see. But does it have any tells that tell me that I'm in trouble? Is there anything that happens in your body that tells you you're in trouble, that you should worry? When you start feeling nervous unexpectedly, anybody ever have a, a mild panic attack with no reason for having it at all? That's your check engine light, guys. That's your check engine light. Something's going on. It's time to get in there, check the oil, check the transmission fluid, change a filter maybe, see if there's a belt slipping. Maybe it just maybe it's just going to take the simple tightening up of the alternator screw. Maybe that's all you need. Think about that. The alternator would be the equivalent to your heart. It's the it's the thing that pumps enough energy to keep you going. So heartbreak, emotional distress, physical discomfort, all of those things give you a little bit of a taste of a check engine light. It's time to, to dig in. I mean, there's different cars, different makers. You know, a Honda check engine light means you, you're low on oil, you have no brake fluid, your brake pad, it could mean anything. You know, a Honda check engine light is just a, hey bro, time for you to dig in and check the codes. So we go to Advanced Auto Parts or 
parts plus and we get a free diagnostic and the guy has his little machine he reads you the code what do you got to do next write down the code and google it and dig in and figure out what that code means um it's it's a lot easier to just tell the guy hey man can you just reset all the codes for me <laughs> and the light will turn off and he'll go okay and then you do it and you drive off and you hope for the best but the check engine light's going to come back on. it's going to come back on and then you're going to once again be questioning what's going on with my car so if you've taken enough time to do a frame-up restoration and by that i mean dug into your subconscious and thought about all the things that brought you here to begin with, all the things that took you out the first time, all the things that brought you to a relapse. If you've taken the time to empty the frame of every bolt and sandblast it and get down to the, the, the core of all the shit that made you rust and fall apart, isn't it important to keep your eye on that check engine light after you rebuilt that car? Isn't it important for you to maintain all the work you put in to get there? When you don't pay attention, the check engine light will eventually lead to engine failure and something will happen and you'll be faced with a time where you've got to make a decision. And that decision is, do I blow this car up and go back out? Do I go into an, an, a, a meeting and talk about what's going on with me? There's a million different things. We talked about community support earlier this week. That that's your best way to analyze, diagnose the check engine light. Look around and ask your, ask your friends, hey man, am I doing something different? Because I feel fucked up. As soon as you open, open yourself up to be criticized and accept the honesty that someone who cares about you is giving you, you can absolutely learn. You ain't sly. I seen you. <laughs> But it's important that you notice that in every single thing you do, you have a tell. Anybody here know that they, when they lie, they have a tell? Yeah. Anybody, anybody who's lying right now? All right. Um, we all have mannerisms that tell other people about what's going on inside of us. Um, how we act, the way we interact with them, uh, you know, sneering laughing in a conversation sometimes it's completely unconscious my wife has a shirt that says did i roll my eyes out loud and that is that's her in a nutshell sorry honey um but she absolutely she's not one of the people that can hold what she feels about what you're saying inside as you're talking to her she's reacting each time and i'm grateful for that she you know easiest way to never have to put your heart on your sleeve is to wear it there all the time um if you keep your heart on your sleeve, make sure people understand what's going on with you. Anybody in this room see me cry? Okay, I'm not afraid to cry in front of people. I'm not, it doesn't embarrass me. It shows me that I have the strength to be completely honest and raw with you 100% of the time. Um, when I talk about the terrors that I've faced in my life, I can identify them and I can talk about them because I've cried over them already. And I've rinsed them out of my memory. I don't have to remember them as terrifying as they were. I can identify the traumas that I've experienced and I can recognize how it affected me. But it's not something I have to carry around anymore. 
If I want to cry, damn it, I cry. I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's listening. If I have something to say that stirs my soul and it makes me move emotionally, I should share it with you because I might hit that one button on you that, that changes how you think today. Um, I often say it's important that we normalize saying I love you to another man. And there was a guy that left here recently um, and, and I hope we're all still praying for him. Last thing he said was he wanted to learn to say I love you to another man and mean it. And this is a guy that had some cell time know not it's not in it wasn't in his normal modus operandi to tell another man he loved him if we walked out into a prison yard right now after the mess and we stood up and said man i love you we're gonna get laughed at ridiculed well this ain't jail this is nothing like jail sometimes it feels like it because of locked doors and the sounds they make things like that organized mess roll call you know, that's why I hate doing roll call in the yard. It feels very CO to me. I don't like that. Um, but in, in this program, it's time for you to learn to do that one thing. It's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, we have some strict regulations on how we're spoke to, supposed to speak to each other, staff to client, client to staff. You know, there's a level of clinical vocabulary or clinical vernacular that we have to use. Um, I've been pulled up before for saying, I love you to clients free wheel, pull me up again. Cause I'm going to continue to do it because I love all you guys, whether I've known you a minute or a hundred days, I have understood where you're sitting because of my own personal experiences. I understand how important two packets of sugar are. Sometimes I understand the need to stuff a bag of oatmeal in your pocket. I get that. I remember, but we don't have to live that way. And everybody in this room, and I don't care how many times the community changes over. I don't care how many times we flip this room. This room comes together like a tight family every single time. It's has anybody here given a cigarette out of their pack to somebody who needed one? Raise your hand. Has anybody asked for a cigarette and not gotten one? But, but I'm not, okay, did you have to go the whole day with none or did somebody eventually come through? So in this little encapsulated world that we live in here right now, cigarettes, coffee, sugar packets, creamer packets, those things are valuable. That's what keeps us going sometimes, just the knowledge that we have them. You know, anybody here feel like they could walk around with a single cigarette in their pack and feel better than if they had none, whether you were allowed to smoke it or not? Yeah. If you gave me one cigarette and told me I couldn't smoke till three o'clock, I would remember that I had that one cigarette all day and I'd be totally comfortable knowing that I could smoke at three. But if I had none and I knew I had no ride, no way to get any, I would from now until three, I'd be looking for a cigarette. So the panic, the anxiety, the distress over the little things that we're going through, those are your check engine lights. Those are the times you need to put yourself in check. And, and think, how am I changing the next couple of moments of today with my own attitude? Um, you know, I commend that man every day for saying, let's have a good day. Let's keep it positive. And that he, he brought he brought that to life um, for for months. Every time I heard the words community goal, I heard PMA all day. 
And then about a month and a half into it, somebody goes, hey, what does that mean? I was like, oh my God, you guys have been making this your goal every day and you don't even know what it means. So positive mental attitude, have a good day, enjoy yourself, be positive, be grateful. These are the goals that I heard this morning. Everything I just said was goals that I heard this morning. It is a desire for us to get better so we can feel better. It's a desire for us to do the right thing so we can feel like we've got a little integrity that we didn't have a couple days ago. Integrity is built by tiny, 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 correct, intentional moves for the positive. Anybody ever been standing in line at the 7-Eleven or the Royal Farms and the guy in front of you has a 20 that falls out of his pocket as he's reaching for his wallet or his keys or whatever and the 20 hits the ground? What's our instinct? Step on that motherfucker and then tie your shoes. That is, that is the integral answer. You're exactly right. Our instinct, most of us who struggle with a little criminal behavior, our instinct is to step on it, wait till he's not looking, bend over, tie our shoe, pick it up, slide it in our sock. Whatever we got to do to get that 20, that's ours. But the emotional lift of tapping him on the shoulder, like you just said, saying, hey man, you dropped this, and giving him that 20, the emotional lift that you'll get from that is that's building integrity, and that's, it's, it's, not, it's uncomparable in anything else. It may not seem like it when I talk about it, but doing it, because as you steal that $20 from him, as you hide it and dishonestly make it your own, you're only about five minutes from taking his car keys off of the hook and going out and stealing his truck. Or better yet, following him to his truck. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever follow anybody the ATM machine? If you don't want to talk about it, I understand. I did. I did. Only only time I ever hurt another human being intentionally in my act of addiction, I robbed a man in an ATM. I, can, I, I have to do a living amends for him. I don't know who he is. I have to live a better life to honor him. I scared that man to death for no reason in the world so I could get high. I put him in a position where he feared for his life for a couple of minutes so I could go get high. I carry that. I carry that forever. Um, standing in line at the ATM, I'm the guy that stands back here. I don't crowd you at that machine because it takes me to a different place, a place that I don't want to be, a place that I don't, I didn't enjoy. I did it because it was necessary. I had to get high. I had to go get something else. I don't live that way anymore. But I can promise you that that whole idealism started with me picking up a $20 bill off the floor of a 7-Eleven because somebody dropped it. If I had just given it back to him, I could have experienced integrity and moved forward with a positive way for my day, but I didn't. I put myself in a negative space. I accepted negative behavior. I accepted criminal behavior and I lived with it. And what did it make me do? More criminal behavior, more addictive behavior. So put yourself in that position where you've now seen the 20 fall out of his pocket. Now, before you reach for it, before you step on it, I want you to ask yourself, what was that 20 for? What was that 20 in his pocket for? Was it to buy diapers for his baby mama that he hasn't seen in three weeks? Was it to stop and buy a couple cans of formula because his baby mama couldn't afford it? 
Was it to stop and get a bag because he was about to be ill? What kind of a dick are you if you take that from him? Taking that $20 bill is not going to make that addict any less ill. He's going to go get 20 somewhere else, right? Taking that $20 from the guy who was going to buy formula for the baby, it's going to affect him, the wife, and the baby. 20 bucks. But it could mean everything to him. Right. You, you have no idea what circumstances are around that $20 bill that fell on the ground. If you see a wallet sitting on the ground, you pick it up, you open it, you pocket the cash, you throw it in the mailbox, right? Is that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> Everything except for the cash part. Um, but there's ways to, to handle anything like that. With, has anybody ever found money in here? You ever found dope? Right, so recognize that the universe was putting a challenge down for you to accept or deny. Finding a wallet and returning it to somebody creates a sense of, I did the right thing that you can't get anywhere else. You just can't. Knowing you did the right thing for somebody else and it didn't affect you negatively or positively at all. You did the right thing just because it was the right thing to do. That's what it looks like to stay in touch with your check engine light. That's what it looks like to take a minute and recognize how your actions are going to affect everybody else and what they're going to perpetuate you to do next. Picking up the 20, tapping him on the shoulder, telling him that he dropped it. The smile you're going to get, that emotional moment that you're going to get is, is a high in and of itself. And you get to walk away having more integrity than you had when you started. No one can ever take the integrity that you build away from. You will keep it forever. Everything you ever do that's integrous will stay with you. There's not one time you'll ever forget a story that's true and integral. However, you will tell stories about the integral shit that you did that's a lie just to make yourself sound better in front of somebody else. I wrote it on the board the other day. Honesty without kindness is brutality. Kindness without honesty is manipulation. And if you don't believe me, read a couple political stories. Um, it's important that we maintain the work that we've put into rebuilding this car. When we empty a truck, who's ever worked in a warehouse loading dock? Who's ever worked unloading trucks, whether by machine or by hand? Okay. If you unload that truck, starting at the bottom, what's going to happen while you're unloading? Everything on the top is falling on top of you. So you got to empty the truck in order and you got to empty it level and even. When you start loading a truck back up with the stuff that's outgoing, if you just put it all on one wall because it was easy to walk all the way to the end and stack, when that truck pulls out of that dock, what's going to happen? Everything's going to fall over. Everything in the back is going to get broken. Anybody ever worked with FedEx? Yeah. You ever seen the back of them trucks? Oh my God. So that's what it looks like to not maintain integrity. <laughs> Yeah, you got to have people hold stuff while you close the door. 
So that's how I want you to leave here. I want you to leave here with your truck loaded that full of tools and, and recovery inspired little quips and sayings. And, you know, I don't care if you spend your whole life searching for your favorite bumper sticker to put on your car because it's something you heard one of your friends say. You're going to leave here with a full truck, but it's important that you emptied the truck first and figured out everything that was on there. And then when you load it, you got to load it even. You got to start at the bottom and work your way to the top. And if you, if the truck is not full, you need to brace the load. If you're getting ready to go out, that's when I talk about don't play volleyball with a broken leg. When you leave the loading dock, if you haven't braced the load, if it's not full yet, you're going to break something. So don't push yourself too early. If your load is still shaky, brace the load. And with the easiest brace you can use is what? Integrity integrity. Find the one thing that you did good today and use it to drive the rest of your day. I've seen people in this room get so angry and aggravated because something was out of their control. They're waiting for information. They're waiting to hear somebody tell them some piece of news, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. I just need closure. I need to know. It's very difficult to stand back and accept the things we cannot change sometimes. Sometimes you just got to remember that the answer is coming. It's just not on my schedule. And as soon as I develop the addict's watch, I will give all of you one. It's going to have two times on it right now, too fucking late. Cause that's the only thing we know about. It's the only thing we understand. Impulsivity is part of our addictive behavior. So think slowly, recognize that you don't have all the answers all the time. I actually wrote it on a piece of paper over here. Here's the five rules to self-love. One, process all your fears. Two, don't compare yourself to others. You can sit with others and compare stories, but don't compare yourself to them. You're different. Allow yourself to make mistakes and be okay with that. Be intentional about everything you put in your body. And I can tell you, I still struggle with that a little bit and explore your spirituality. doesn't matter what your spiritual stance is in the world. As long as you believe it, as long as you have faith in your, what you believe spiritually. Um, so today I'm going to ask you guys, keep an eye on your check engine light, watch your fuel gauge, watch that alternator, watch that alternator needle. And if your oil pressure's running high, figure out why talk to somebody about it. Okay. This is a big garage full of mechanics, some of them better than others, but every one of them wants you to fix your car and we want to help. Um, who came to this program for help? Let us help you and know that everything we do is to that ultimate goal. I stole that from her. She gave me that. If you came here for help, let us help you because we want to, I promise we do. If I could walk around side by side with each one of you and hit doors all day, if there was 50 of me, I'd be thrilled. That'd be amazing. But sometimes we're spread thin. You guys have helped us this week on a couple shifts where we've been spread a little thin. You've made a very, very easy day for some of us. Yesterday, I felt it necessary to actually go speak to each of you about how important it was that you made me enjoy my day yesterday. I came in here on the 4th of July. And I didn't once complain because I had to work on the 4th of July. 
And I didn't even recognize that the day had passed when all of a sudden it was 2.30. Because you guys worked together. You helped each other. I saw community support out there while you know cooking was going on. I saw nobody went hungry. In fact, I saw more seconds than I've seen in a minute. That's good shit. You guys pulled together yesterday and made yourself a community no in spite of whatever else was going on. And I know that every perfect thing didn't happen. We didn't get the razor card in time. We, we, we tried, we talked about it, we tried to figure out a way. The only thing we could do to make it really work was change the day. We didn't love that, but you guys accepted it. You didn't make a stink about it. And we, we're very thankful for that. that. That helps us. I Yesterday, I don't feel like I came in and worked. I came in and hung out with my friends on the 4th of July all day long. And I enjoyed myself. We listened to music, we told jokes, we had a cookout. I didn't go home smelling like vomit and beer. I didn't wake up hungover this morning. That was a great thing. That's, you know, I can say for me, I've had quite a few 4th of July's in a row that I haven't woke up hungover. Who, who felt it a new experience to wake up July 5th not hungover? I'd like to, y'all should applaud yourselves. It's not easy to get through the holidays. My sponsor told me, my first sponsor told me, don't try to quit smoking until you've observed every holiday clean. Well, here I am 20 years later still smoking. <laughs> but, but I have made it every holiday clean. Um, and it's important to learn those things because you're going to, in a year's time, you're going to experience anniversaries, anniversaries of people that have passed away. You're going to experience anniversaries of ending relationships. You're going to experience the anniversary of the day you almost died. You're going to experience anniversary of the time you watched a friend die. Those things are going to happen and they're going to be hard. But if you know that all I have to do is make it through now, I will be successful later. So I'm going to ask you guys three things that I ask every single day for everything that happens to me today. I want you guys to be grateful. For every interaction you have with each other and staff, be kind. And when you go into that room that's just too dark and it feels wrong in there, be love. And I am crushing this shit. For everything that happens to me today, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me, I will check my engine light and I will be grateful. For every interaction I have with another human being, no matter how much I don't want to sometimes, I will be kind. And when I walk into that room, it smells like diesel fuel and socks. I will be love where there's none. Who's happy they're clean today? Aye. Who's going to make it five more minutes? Aye. Who's going to celebrate being clean now? Aye. And now? Aye. And now? Aye. What are y'all doing here, White Deer Run? What are y'all doing to your recovery today? And this one's for the, uh, the men in the uniform across the street. What are we doing here today? Crushing this shit! I'm Troy, I'm an addict. Thanks for letting me share. Yes.